going. Happy Sunday. God, thank you for today. Thank you for all the blessings in our lives, especially this blessing of a life. You've given it to us for a reason, for a purpose, and for a calling. So we ask for your strength and your wisdom and your peace in that. You are a protector, you are a provider, and you are our God. And we worship you now.
time we sing that song uh, it just reminds me of Isaiah 40 and I love what is said in this chapter because I think sometimes you know we get so stuck in the weeks and we get so stuck with the greatness of man so to say and the power that we love to try to portray but we need to remember constantly who the God is that we're dealing with you know and uh, Isaiah 40 says this, starting in verse 25, it says, To whom will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Lord? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these stars. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong and powerful in power not one of them is missing and why do you say O Jacob and speak O Israel my way is hidden from the Lord my right is disregarded by my God for have you not known have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends 
of the earth, and he does not grow faint nor grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And the greatness of our God, Father, you are so great. We thank you, God, that in our weakness and our despair that you are power. In our weakness and our despair that you are hope. God, and when we feel we have nothing left, you take us and you lead us like wings of eagles. And you help us soar into freedom. And Father, I pray that as Brian speaks your word this morning, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts the revelation of who you are. God, that we would leave this place with a greater understanding, realizing that you are realer than everything in this world. You are realer than the greatest darkness that can come against us, the greatest sickness that can inflict our body. You are greater and you are more real. You breathe everything into existence. You are before and you will be after all things. And God, I pray this morning that we would just get our mind back in check with the reality of who you are and the greatness of who you are. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for the teachers that are teaching our kids and, and the children's ministry this morning. I pray that they would just speak the gospel clearly. God, and that from the youngest of ages to the oldest in this room, that you would be glorified. In this building, that you would be glorified. And in this city, that we would just show you as holy. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys want to know what's happening in the church, you got announcements in your bulletin. At this time, we're going to dismiss the kids to Kids Church. If you don't have kids, you're more than welcome to stand with us, and we're going to continue to worship. Thanks for being here.
just want you guys all to know that this thing is made entirely of lead, and I just lifted it up here with one hand. <clears throat> Styrofoam. <laughs> Give me some lights, my friend, Roberto. Number 22-ish, I think, is what it is. Yes. Boy, it just got really hot up here, let me tell you. Wow, I got a sunburn now. Well, welcome to Friends, everybody. Welcome to you watching online. We are so happy that you have to be here this this uh, glorious Sunday morning in uh, in Fairbanks, Alaska. We will take up the offering right now. If I could have the uh, ushers come down. There you are. Faithful servants, thank you very much. And uh, we'll pray. Uh, Lord, we we thank you for our many gifts. Uh, there are too many to, to even begin to count. Um, and we ask, Lord, that you uh, bless the givers. Give them uh, hearts of, uh, of gratitude and make sure that we, as stewards of the funds that you entrust in us, we get it to where it needs to be. In Jesus' heavenly name, amen. Okay. Oh, what was that? <laughs> we got a little video for you guys to watch while we do this, so I'll go ahead and click on that. Here we go. Hey, I'm Johnny. And I'm Chachi. And today we want to show you how to invite someone to church. Okay, here we are at Mission Control. We have our equipment. We have cameras over there and over there. And these are going to be real people Chachi's talking to, right? Yeah, real neighbors that I'm going to invite to church. All right, here we go. Okay, here comes an older gentleman. Do you see him? Yeah. Okay, who's that? That's Kenneth. He's a real hoot. Okay, this is a great opportunity for you to highlight how your church is primarily under 40 and how you lack the experience and wisdom that can come from someone older and wiser. Okay, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let me do a sound check. Great. Okay, go, go, go. Showtime. Oh, hey, Kenneth. Can I ask you a question? It's Carl. Yeah, that, that's what I thought it was. I was going to ask you to come to church with me sometime because there's no one like you at my church. I mean, not even remotely. It was fine. It was more your delivery. It sounded, you said it in a negative way. Yeah, I okay. messed that one up. Sorry, Johnny. No, it's okay. Let's just try again. Okay, there, there's another guy. Who's that? Yeah, that's Samuel. He's a businessman in the neighborhood and he's working way too many hours. Okay, well, that's an opportunity to meet Samuel where he's at. Okay? Chachi. When you speak to him, make sure he knows that church is like an oasis compared to the daily grind of the office. Okay, it's nothing like work. Nothing like work. You got it? Yeah, I got it. I okay. got it. I'm ready. Sound check. Okay, I'm Sound out of here. Good. Go, go, go. Oh, hey, Samuel. Beautiful day. Hey, man. I was wondering if sometime you wanted to visit my church with me. What time do you owe me? It's not your business. It sounded like you said it's none of your business. Well, I meant to say it's not like your business. It, it didn't sound like that. Felt like you got I, it. I didn't think this was difficult. Well, give me one more chance. Let's do one more. Okay. Hey, Johnny, Johnny. That's mm -hmm. my next door neighbor, Cam, and her three kids. They love me. This will be a great one. Okay. Well, your church does have a great kids program. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's do this. Okay. Tell them that. Basically, they're going to learn godly principles and that they'll get lost in all the fun. Okay, kids, lost, fun. 
Got it. Okay. All right. You want to check my mic one more time? It's great. Ow. Okay, be right back. Hey, look, there's Chachi. Hi, Hi Chachi. How y'all doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. Hi, Cam. Man, he is getting really, really big. I thought I'd come by and invite you guys to church sometime. Would you kids like that? Yeah. Church? Yeah, you, you should come to church with me sometime if you ever want to see your kids again. Go. Go. I mean, it's because you get lost in all the fun. Good, good talk. Talk to you later. Wow. So, for all of you who are visiting us for the first time, Hopefully your introduction was a little bit better than that, your invitation, I mean. But here's the deal. We're really bad at this as Christians inviting people to church. And, you know, the the biggest reason we're not very good at is we just don't practice it. It's just something we don't practice enough. And uh, we're going to continue. We, last week we talked about being ambassadors for Christ as part of our identity. And this week what we're going to do is, as last week was, this is what you're supposed to do. This week, we're going to hopefully show you how to do it. We're going to give you some, some biblical sound advice on why we should be doing it. And of course, hopefully how we can go about doing it, how we can equip ourselves. And if you're, if you're here um, for the first time and you're not a Christian yet, this might seem sort of like inside baseball. And, and I don't want you to, to check out because this message is for you. And just stick with us. I, I promise you it's, uh, it's, it, there's going to be parts of it that will hopefully that will speak directly to you as we go, as we go along. And uh, you'll, at least hopefully you will see that we're trying to be better at, at being Christians and invite people into our faith. You can see that we're, we're undergoing the training. We're just not quite there yet, you know. So we have the great commandment. And, uh, of course, that is he said to him, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I can think of no more better thing than, than to show, to express to our neighbor, to our friends, to our family that we love them than to share the gospel with them because it's the thing that moves in our lives. It's the greatest gift, as we know as Christians, in our lives. Why not be sharing it, as we talked about last week? If you knew of some great news, like a, a, a great company that was hiring and had all the, all the benefits and the pay and everybody there was great, of course you would share it. Why not share something that's even better, like the fact that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior? And some people say you could reduce these commandments, you know, love God with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your heart, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Some people say you could reduce this to just one commandment, just loving God. Because if you love God with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your heart, the other part flows right from it, right? If you're following God, if Jesus Christ is first and foremost in your life, if you're doing and behaving like Jesus, you will love your neighbor. It just flows from it. Now, of course, we also have the Great Commission. And it says, the, the, the verses in uh, Matthew 28 in in case you don't have it there. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's our job. That's 
what we're supposed to do. It's the last commandment Jesus gave before he ascended into heaven. He said, hey, go spread the news, baptize, bring people into the church, let them know that there is hope for them uh, in this life and in the next. And our life has to be, as Christians, our life has to be a complete witness, a living witness. And unless we get to the point where we're actually speaking, when we're actually sharing the gospel, when we're doing what we're supposed to do with this commission, we're not fully living our lives as Christians. We're just looking inward as what Jesus can do for us, and we're not going outward and showing what Jesus could do for other people. And Romans 10, 13, here it is, guys. It's, it's just laid out there. It's so perfect. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I think about that saying, I was like, what, what does that even mean? And, uh, you know, I think it's just sort of, you, if, you, if, <clears throat> you, if you were looking under your door, you, somebody knocks at your door and you, you, you're used to having bad people come over and you look and you see black shiny shoes and it's like, oh, it's the cops. I'm not answering the door. Or somebody knocks on the door and you look under there and you see like brown shoes and, and shorts and brown and you keep looking up and you're like, oh, it's UPS. They always bring me good stuff. You're happy to see those shoes, right? You're like, oh, sweet, nice. And then you, or you see like church shoes and you know it's the Jehovah Witness guys. And you're like, oh, not them again. So how blessed when we see somebody who's coming into our house that's giving us good news and there's no better news than the gospel. How blessed are they? And it says, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Well, here's the deal, guys. We are sent. We are. Every single one of us is sent to spread the gospel. Okay? That's your job. Um, it's just we need to figure out the best way of going about doing it. And you have to practice it. You have to be trained. And how can, uh, and then they say, and um, how can any uh, hear someone who without them preaching it to them? And that, that, of course, follows. We have to go out there. We have to preach it. You can't expect people to just absorb the gospel. All right. So you have to be there. You have to tell them the story. You have to tell them what it's really like to be a believer of Jesus Christ. Because what they get in the world, what they see, what the world wants to show them about Jesus, what the world wants to show them about our faith is not what our faith is about. The world wants them to see Westboro Baptist picketing funerals. Uh, of soldiers. That's what they want them to see. They want us to see as haters. They want us to see as, as superstitious, um, you know, semi-pagan people, people who are afraid of science, people who are afraid of knowledge, people who are stuck in the past, well, which is not a bad thing, by the way. But that's what they want us to see. So we have to tell them what the gospel really is. We have to show them that Jesus, yes, he absolutely is love, but Jesus preaches truth as well. And that truth is a sword that comes and separates even mothers from fathers. It's, that's the way it is. But they need to hear it. And they need to hear it from us in a winsome and effective manner. So there's this survey given to those attending this training session for one of those Billy Graham crusades. They have these training sessions so people can go out and witness the gospel. And this particular one was in Detroit. And they asked this. They asked the people who were going there, the survey says, what's your greatest hindrance to witnessing? Oh, by the way, if you're not a Christian yet, witnessing just means telling people about Jesus. So it's one of those churchy words. So 
what is your greatest hindrance to witnessing? And 9% said they were too busy to remember to do it. At least they were busy, not too busy to show up for the training session, so that was a good thing. So, 28% felt the lack of real information to share. And, and what that means is 28% of the people felt like, I don't know enough about the Bible to witness. I don't know enough about what the gospel says to witness to people. What if they ask me a question and I don't have the answer? I don't feel equipped biblically to be able to witness to people. And that's, a, that's you know, that's that's legitimate. It's completely legitimate. Obviously, there's things you can do about it. Um, and none said they didn't really care. So that's good. Uh, 12% said their own lives were not speaking as it should. You know what that means is obviously... I've got something sinful in my life that I am so ashamed of that I haven't released to God that I don't believe that I can effectively share the gospel with people. Again, that's another one that should be easily overcome. You repent, you get over it. But all of us know that there's some baggage that's really hard to let go of. It ties us down. We're ashamed. It's really deeply embedded with our, in our soul. You know, so this goes back to sort of like, well, I can't tell my teenagers not to drink because uh, I drank and I would be being a hypocrite. And, you know, that's that same stupid, strange argument that we use for this. Well, I have sin in my life, so I can't share the gospel. Of course, you have sin in your life, but do something about it. All right. Repent. Get over it. And guess what? You're not going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect in this life. Okay, so that's just gone. That's just out. So you got to do it regardless of the, the, the whole uh, sin in your life type of thing. So that you can't use that as um, a, an excuse. And by far the largest group, 51%, they said the biggest problem was that they were fearful of how people would react. And, and that's, what, that's the truth. We're afraid of what people will think of us. And it's not the gospel that they're rejecting, that we feel they're rejecting. It's us. You're like, oh. Now, if you went up to your friend and you say, hey, there's a great game that's about to come on. Why don't you come over? We'll have a beer. We'll watch TV. We'll watch this game. They said, no, I can't do that right now. You'd say, okay, that's cool. And you'd walk away. So when you go to share the gospel, why isn't it the same way? Hey, you know, Jesus, he died for your sins. This is awesome. I, he's really changed my life. You know, I'm not really interested in that right now. You know, a lot of us should, our, our thing is, okay, well, that's fine. And then you just drop that seed and you walk away. But we don't do that. And the reason we don't do that is because we know that Jesus is in the center of our lives. It's something that is so pure and sacred to us. It's a part of our life that has been exposed. It's raw. It's out there. We've, 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 we've got a connection with somebody that is real, that has, that has gotten into those parts that we're not used to sharing with people, especially if you're a guy, but girls too, women too. We don't want to open our heart and say, look what Jesus has done for me in the deepest parts of my soul and then to have somebody say no i'm not really into that religious thing all of a sudden we're we've been rejected and it hurts us and we're afraid of that embarrassment we're afraid of exposing ourselves into that very real in that very real way and one way to get over this real quickly not to bury the lead is we've just got to get used to doing it We've just got to practice it. We've got to understand that we, every time we witness to somebody, every time we tell them about Jesus, it doesn't mean they're going to immediately drop to their knees and give their lives to Christ. It's about spreading seeds. But 
we're all a little bit of spiritual sissies, so I understand that. And hopefully today we'll give you some things that will help us get through this and uh, make you a little bit braver in your witnessing. And, uh, and remember, remember that stat I gave you last week, eight in 10 people who don't go to church, eight in 10 people who are unchurched, who are not yet Christians, said that they would go to church if you asked them. So the chances are only 20% that you're going to be rejected anyway. I know that 20% you're still like, oh, it's still scary. So what we need to do to prepare ourselves to go out and witness, and this is a very important one, is ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Okay, look at Peter at the crucifixion. Remember that? He's like, oh, Jesus is like, you're going to divide me three times, and he's all manning up. Say, what are you talking about? I'm not going to. I just chopped the guy's ear off for you. I'm cool. And Jesus is like, no, no, you're not cool. But he's like, okay, whatever. And so what does Jesus do? You know, he's like hiding, he's cowering. People are like, hey, don't you know Jesus? No, I don't know him. I saw you with him. That wasn't me. Come on, dude. Listen, I don't know Jesus. I've never heard of him. I'm, I'm not even from here. I'm from Detroit. And... And so here's Peter, this rash guy. And then, you know, you flash forward, you know, a few months to the book of Acts. And all of a sudden you see this, uh, it's like when, when they saw Peter and, and John and the courage of these two men and realized that they were just unschooled, ordinary guys, they were astonished at the way they spoke with boldness. What happened to Peter between the crucifixion that's right. Acts 2 happened. The Holy Spirit descended upon these guys and filled them just as Jesus said that they would. And listen, if you're not a Christian yet, listen up. This Holy Spirit thing is real and it's powerful. It can give you courage, knowledge. It's, it's a sword and you can tap into that. You, the moment you become a Christian and give your life to Christ, you can tap into this power. And it's one of those things I, you know, I know there's no way I can convince you if you're not a Christian yet that this is real. But I'm telling you, you're going to discover something that is amazing the moment that happens. The moment you give your life to Jesus Christ and you ask the Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside of you, bam! Things will really begin to happen in your life. So, how can you be filled? It's, it's not complicated. It's, it's, it, it's different than just being indwelled. You know, the Holy Spirit comes into you. And it's when you want to be filled with the Spirit, when you want to be like this Acts 2 Christian, you know, you want to be, be not drunk with wine, but be controlled by the Spirit. Here's what you got to do. For a couple of things. The first thing is you have to go and do a little bit of self-examination, all right? You need to take some time. If you really want to get to the point where the Holy Spirit is working in your life every day, and you and me, those Christians, you know people who are just drunk in the Spirit, Right? And, and, and they just, there's just something that glows off of them. Every, it, you can see that Jesus moves in er, every area of their life. And, you know, they roll with the punches. And they're just happy to be alive and happy to be able to share the good news of the gospel with you. But to get to that point, you have to do a lot of things. Like, you have to pray. You have to spend time in prayer all the time to get to know God, to be able to listen to Him, to get used to using that, that kind of a muscle. And here's the other thing you need to do. You need to get into the Word. And we've spent a lot of time talking about this, Eric and, and Floyd especially, getting into the Word. Because it's not just what's on the page and what you're reading. But when you take the Word into a situation where you're witnessing to somebody and you're filled with the Spirit, when you say the words, it's not just the meaning of the words that are traveling out of your mouth. It's the Holy Spirit 
packed into those words, leaving your lips and landing on that other person. And it just, it's like honey. It just flows over the top of them. But you got to know the word and you've got to spend some time in it so that you don't say the wrong thing at the wrong time. All right. And the next thing we need to do is do some confession. We need to do some cleansing. John, uh, first John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Be specific. All right. When you sit down and you talk to God and you've gotten to the point where you're ready just to open up and talk about your sinful life. First of all, he already knows it, so you're not hiding anything from him. So be as specific as possible. It's important to be able to name these things that are sinful in your life. It's important to remember to do. I remember when I was a a little kid growing up Catholic, I had to make things up at confession because I couldn't think of anything. I'm like, what have I done? And so you just sort of, you always did the blanket ones, right? I always did the, well, I dishonored my mother and father. I'm sure I did at some point, you know. But we have to be specific. If you're, if, you're, if you're a teenager sitting out there today, be specific if you're going to be talking about it. Or even if you're a grown-up and you've dishonored your mother or father, okay? So be specific and say, listen, at this, I, I, I didn't speak complete honesty and truth to my, to my father yesterday when we were talking about these things. You have to be specific. You have to get these things out. It, it's a learning exercise, if not anything. If you're just being general, you're just thinking, it basically says, I don't really have time to, to name my sins, but I know I want forgiveness for them, so I'm going to get that out of the way. So don't do that. That's, that's the wrong way of doing it. I know we've all done it, but try not to do that. You've got to be specific about them because that's the only way you're going to learn from your sins. Okay, repentance. You have to turn from your sin. Okay, it's, it's great. You've done it. You've got it out there. That doesn't mean you can just go back to doing it again, knowing that you've always got forgiveness on this side of it, all right? You have to change your mind. You have to ask God for the renewing of your mind as well. You have to turn away. You need the strength to turn away from those things. Because as long as you're still in sin, as long as you're going back to those things, there's a part of your life that's not filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, and that's it. You have to ask God. That's the Ask God to come and dwell inside of you. All right? You don't want to do all this work of, of, of getting all this nasty stuff out of your body and out of your soul and then just leave it empty. Because if you leave it empty, bad stuff's going to come back in and it's going to bring all his friends with it, okay? So you have to ask God at that point, fill me with what you want to fill me with. Fill me with your words, fill me with your love, fill me with your courage, fill me with your vision and mission for my life. Do that right now. Next thing we need to do is be able to pray earnestly about our doubts and our fears. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Be strong, Deuteronomy says, and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, the people you're talking to. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Be honest with him about it. So this is really what I'm fearful about. I'm fearful, Lord, that I'm going to open my heart to somebody and they're going to crush it. Because that's happened to me before. I've shared my heart. I fell in love with somebody. And when I did it, mm, it was horrible. So be honest about it. Be open. When we, when we can name our fears, when we can label our doubts, it takes the power away. All right? Satan wants to fill us with fears and doubts. He's giving them his power. But when we say, no, Satan... Jesus, I say in the name of Jesus, get these fears and doubts out of my head. They're gone. God takes those away. 
He takes the power of those, those fears away. There's no longer the boogeyman under the bed. Or if you look in your, no, my daughter does the thing I always do. She has to, she has to close her closet at night and then she takes a rope and she winds it around the door so the shirts can't come alive and become ghosts. I don't know, but that's the way it is. You know, things, when they're in the dark, Things take on weird shapes, and that's what Satan wants us to do. But God will come in and shine a light in our lives. You will see these things for what they really are, and they will lose their power. Be honest about your fears and your doubt. Have a plan. And we're going to come back to this because this is the part that I want to share with the people who aren't yet Christians. I want to come back to this because what I want to do is show show the people who are the, the, the sort of proper... Avenue, the flow chart, if you see it in there in your bulletin, for, for, for talking about the gospel. But at the same time, I want you to hear it. I want you to hear the reason we need Jesus Christ in our life. So we're going to come back to that in just a second. But here, this is a good one. This is one that I take to heart all the time. Is don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. I mean, there's a good chance when you're witnessing to somebody that they're going to ask you questions that you just do not have an answer for. Especially in this day and age, you you see people throwing at you the same arguments that they got off Facebook from the the internet infidels, the atheists that are out there, right? They're like, oh, what about the slaughter of the Canaanites? What about the problem of evil? What about the discrepancies that seem to exist in the Gospels? If you don't have the right, proper answer for that, if you, haven't, if you don't have a mature hermeneutic where you can go and explain that and unpack it to people, just don't say anything. Say, I don't know, but I know there's an answer for that. Because people have been looking at these same scriptures for thousands of years, and yet they're still Christians, so there must be an answer. And that's a good thing for you to understand, too. If you're a Christian... You don't have to be worried about searching for answers. God is true. All truth is God's truth. If there's something that's out there that people are throwing around saying, well, this shows that God doesn't exist, or this is, this is a good argument against the, the benevolence of God, and they throw that in your face, and you haven't had the time to go and study up on it and unpack it, just say, I don't know. But guess what? I can find out, and I'll get back to you. Can you imagine what that does to the person who just heard it? Because they're not expecting that answer. What they're expecting is for you to argue or retreat back into some, you know, fideistic thing where it's just, well, it's, got, it's all about faith. It's, you just got to have faith or the Mormon thing. Well, it's just about this burning in the bosom, you know. So we, we just take those questions and we don't ask them. No, our God is truthful. We can search out those answers. They are there. Trust me. But if you start just making things up, you're doing more harm than good. You're going to, if that person is antagonistic against the gospel, he's going to retreat even more. He's going to say, ha, I got you. I knew this wasn't true. And just think of the damage you've done right there. The other thing is, if you make something up, it's akin to lying. And that's Satan's job, not yours. So if you don't know, just say, I don't know. And the other thing is, you, could kill, you have to understand the person that you're witnessing to has a clouded mind. Their mind hasn't been renewed yet. And if you do something that further clouds their mind, then you may have make, you know, pushed them two steps back instead of 
the three steps forward that they needed to make to get closer to Jesus Christ. Don't be that guy that pushes them back. Just say, I don't know. And the last thing what we need to do is we got to own the Great Commission, guys. Go, ye therefore, teach the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father. I'm with you always. Claim that promise. And remember when he says, I'm with you, even when I'm away. And he's never more with you than when you're preaching the gospel. He's there. Hopefully he's inside of you. But he's certainly standing right next to you. He, he left us here. He puts, us, he puts every one of us in a specific place and time for a reason. He puts people in front of us for a reason. We all have friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors. And we are in the best possible place to be able to speak to these people because we know what they need. We know what their hang-ups are in their hearts. We can speak into those things. It's one thing to go up to perfect strangers and try to feel the situation out. It's another thing to go and talk to your mother-in-law. You already have a good idea why she hates you. So maybe you can ask for forgiveness, you know, and open a dialogue. And guess what? You know what? If all your friends, your relatives, and your associates and neighbors, and this is a problem we talk about as a staff too, if all everybody that you know in your circle of influence is a Christian, you need to get a bigger circle. It's tough. I know it's tough. We're all really busy. Most of the people that I come into contact with here are Christians. Okay? The people I work with are Christians. My family are Christians. I, I, the friends that I have, most of them go to church here. And if not, they go to church somewhere. They're already Christians. So you have to find ways of reaching people who aren't. Because this isn't about preaching to the choir. This is about delivering the gospel, being ambassadors out there in the world. And doing the Great Commission. So find some way to do it. You know, I have my way of doing it. You'll find your way, as that video says. Ask God. Here's what you can do. The simplest way to do it is just say, God... Put me in circumstances where I can preach the gospel. Bring people into my life who need to hear. He'll do it. Trust me. He'll definitely do it. You might not be the people you wanted in front of you, but he'll put them in front of you. He'll give you the opportunities. Okay, so that's one thing you need to do. And this is our job. This is our real purpose. Not, you know, some of us are teachers. Some of us are preachers. Some of us are are, are mothers. Some of us are plumbers. It doesn't matter. That's our job. That's what we do. That's our vocation, okay? But what our real vocation, the real reason we've been sent down here to this earth is to preach the gospel. And that's what makes everything else worth doing. That's what brings flavor and truth to everything else we do. If we put Christ's truth first, when we go off into the world to do whatever we do, it's first of all, your day is going to be a lot better. You know, when you got Christ walking alongside of you, things are going to be a lot better for you. But then you find yourselves in situations doing your job, that job, and also God will put people in front of you to do your real job. The reason he created you, which was to point back to the cross. And God elevates us all. He puts us all in positions. He uses, look at the Bible. He uses the most unlikely people, just like you and me, to preach the gospel. Peter was a fisherman. The next thing you know, in Acts, he's preaching and 3,000 people are converted in one day. It's amazing what he did. Look at Gideon. I always love Gideon, right? Gideon belonged to like 
the shadiest family in town, right? You, you guys, if you, you, everybody knows the shadiest people. You know, growing up, you're like, oh, that's the, you know, that's the McClintocks. Don't go over there. Yeah, you know, they're all, you know, inbred and all that. Don't go over there. There, those people are crazy. They're sipping applesauce through a straw. That's all they do, playing the banjo. You don't want to go over there. This was Gideon's family. And Gideon was the runt of that family. He was the lowest person. In fact, he even says, he's like, <laughs> I love this. So he's in there like hiding behind the goats because some guys show up and he's like, I'm going to hide in the goats so nobody sees me, right? And the angel comes down and what does he say to Gideon? Oh, mighty warrior of God. Gideon's like, bah. <laughs> so, and he says, he goes, do you know who I am? And he asks an angel this. I mean, do you know who I am? No, I didn't. I knocked on the door. I didn't know who was going to answer. <laughs> And he says, he goes, I'm the lowest of the low. God doesn't want me. And he said, no, God wants you. And he does this. He does this all the time throughout the Bible. And he does it with us. Every one of us has a circle of influence. Every one of us has the, the job of going out there and doing this. And you know what? You can't say you're not an evangelist. You say, oh, God. I took my spiritual gift survey with Brian in class 201 today. An evangelist wasn't on there. Right? No, yeah, exactly tough. Because, you know, you, there are people who have that spiritual gift. If you, it, when Eric is up here, there's no doubt that he's got that, evan, you know, that evangelist gift. When, when Floyd, you talk to Floyd, you, you, you see that he does have the gift of prophecy. When you talk to Pastor Dave, you see that he, he, he has the gift of teaching and wisdom. You know, you see these people. When you see me, you know the guy who wears really nice shirts. That's my spiritual gift. <laughs> it's actually my wife's gift because she buys them for me, but I get to share in her gift. But all of us have gifts. And whether or not they're preaching, speaking in tongues, whatever, doesn't matter. We still are all part of God's plan. And that plan is to sell the gospel, as it were, to spread the gospel. And God will put you in this position. He will use the gifts that he has given you. And if you, haven't, if you have no idea what your spiritual gifts are, please come to 201 today. And you'll get a better idea of what that is. Okay, so I think we have one more video. Oh, we have another video here I want you guys to watch. This is Nate. Nate became a Christ follower two weeks ago and is still a bit giddy about it. Now he's trying not to do cartwheels in public. Nate became a believer partly because of Kim. Yet oddly enough, Kim and Nate have never met. How is this possible? Well, let's take a look. Kim loved Jesus from an early age, and in college she had a huge impact on her friends. While most of her peers used their college years to, well, experiment, Kim didn't. She remained committed to her faith, and it showed. It especially showed to Lisa, her roommate, who confessed to Kim that she wanted whatever it was that made Kim so strong. Kim shared her faith with Lisa, and Lisa believed. Years later, at Lisa's first real job, she met Thomas. Thomas was hit by a drunk driver when he was 13 and still carried a lot of anger and bitterness. Thomas and Lisa became friends, and it wasn't long before he started going to church with Lisa and her husband. After a lot of studying and searching, Thomas gave his life to Christ. Fast forward a few years. Thomas became a public speaker and was often asked to speak at large events. 
See, when he became a believer, Thomas developed a new perspective on life. He stopped resenting what had been taken from him and started being thankful for the second chance he had been given. On one particular day, Thomas shared about overcoming hardship and what it means to choose joy. He was so passionate that a number of people were inspired to share a link to his video. The video of Thomas inspired James, too. And if anyone needed inspiration, it was him. James had a ton of issues. He spent most of his life as a passive husband, an absent father, and a horrible friend. That said, no one disliked him more than he disliked himself. But everything changed the night he happened to watch Thomas online. Something clicked and he knew what he had to do. He surrendered his miserable life to someone greater, and he was forever changed. James fought hard to make up for the lost years with his family. And he also began working with young men who were in danger of throwing their lives away. One of those men was Nate. Nate didn't really know his own dad, and he had no real direction in life, ultimately bouncing from one bad decision to another. Because of that, he often found himself in trouble with the law. No one had ever showed him what it looked like to be a real man. That is, until he met James. James became the first father figure Nate ever had. He learned about honesty, self-control, humility, and integrity, and where those traits come from. Two months later, Nate publicly declared his belief in Christ. And of course, James was there. Now you can see the connection. Nate was impacted by James. He was influenced by Thomas. Thomas saw an uncommon joy in Lisa, who learned of Jesus from Kim. Kim's relationship with God eventually led to Nate's. Funny how these two people have never met and never will. You, you never know. You can't expect when you share your heart and your faith with somebody for them to drop to their knees at that moment and change their life. But you never know what you've said or the way you've behaved has done in somebody's life. Our job is to spread the seed, okay? Get it out there. Know whether the Holy Spirit comes into that person's life or at that very moment and changes it is not important. I mean, it's great, but it will happen. And we all have a part to play in evangelism. And we all have a part to play in winning people over to Jesus. Don't sell yourself short. And I said, we're going to get back to how we're doing. And this is, I, I want to get to this before we leave today. And this is, this is important for those of you who are watching online or here in the thing who aren't Christians yet. Because this is the reason we witness right here, this flow chart. Look at it. God loves all people. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that who shall ever believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves everyone. doesn't matter who you are. But guess what? We're all sinners. Those of you who aren't Christians yet who say, Oh yeah, well, I, yeah, I've done some things wrong, but I'm more good than I am bad. Why shouldn't God just accept that? Well, the fact of the matter is, you're probably not more good than you are bad. You just don't realize it. But here's the deal. Sin must be paid for. God is a just and giving and loving God. But because He's just, He's not going to just forget about those trespasses. He wants us to be with Him, but we have to be cleansed of those things before that can happen. 
And he's not going to just bend the rules just for you. But the thing is, going back to one, he loves us so much that he gives us a get-out-of-jail-free card and Jesus pays for our sins instead of us. And in atoning sacrifice on the cross, God became man, man, a perfect man who never sinned, became sin for us even while we were still in sin so that one day we could trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior and come back to God. This is the plan. This is what we're supposed to be preaching. It's pretty simple and it's logical. It flows. People can see it. And the amazing thing is when you speak with the Holy Spirit and it's flowing out of you and it's hitting people, they're going to see the truth and they're going to feel the truth. The Holy Spirit will move in them. Now, I know there's still people out there right now. And I've got one more video to show, but I want to call the band up to get them ready. I know there's people out there who are right on the edge of this. And I know you have all the excuses in the world for not accepting God as your Lord and Savior. Let me see if some of these sound familiar to you. People don't go to church. I can't come to church until I get my life together. Church is how I got my life together. Church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And there's always room for one more. (laughs) All they care about is your money. (laughs) They care about me, not about my money. Is there some kind of dress code? Yes, the code is wear some clothes. (laughs) Church... It just makes me nervous. I was nervous at first, and then I felt right at home. I'm not sure I believe everything that you believe. But you can still belong. You're just a wimpy girly, man. You want to say that again? If you knew me and what I've done, You wouldn't want me. If you knew me and what I've done, you wouldn't be worried. You can come to my church even if you were brought up Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, Jewish, Mormon, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ, Southern Baptist. A little bit of everything and a whole lot of nothing. (laughs) See, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. So please, come to my church. Where nobody's perfect. Where beginners are welcome. Where socks are optional, but grace is required. Where forgiveness is offered. Where hope is alive. And where it's okay to not be okay. Really. In your bulletins is uh, the sinner's prayer, or a version of it. And as the band plays, and if you feel the Holy Spirit moving in your heart and you want to do today to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can simply just say that prayer. You can just say, God, I want your way and not my way. And if you want prayer today, prayers of praise, prayers of understanding, prayers asking for forgiveness, please come down front. We're going to have people down here. 
talk to you, to listen, to share with you their own story. But don't wait. Don't wait another day to start a new life. Don't wait another day to tap into the Holy Spirit because that power is real and it will change your life. I swear to you. Look at the people in that video. I'm one of those people. Trust me. Ten years ago, you wouldn't recognize me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. That's first and foremost what we do. And we just say, we give you all praise. For you, you, you've, you've given us this, this ability to choose and this, this wonderful free will. You even knew that we would mess it up. But in your foresight, in your perfect foreknowledge, you said, I will give you forgiveness. I will find a way to bring you back to me. And just like a shepherd, I'm not going to let one sheep go astray. Lord, let us be your under shepherds. Let us go out there and bring the sheep back to you. Show us how we can do that. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.